God bless you today. So I'm going to have a little um, interaction, you know, with the harp. And I wanted to do this for a long time. God gave me this word. Um, I just wanted to give you a, a few. Oh, I would need a chair, too. Can you get me a, um, just put a chair right there, and I can move it later. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to give you a little introduction about the harp. I've never really shared uh, with everyone how I got to play the harp. Um, <clears throat> as um, one gets into middle age, <laughs> you know, you desire things. Every, ever since I was a little girl, I desired to play the harp. Uh, living on a farm, shelling peas. Who's ever shelled peas? Picking peas, shelling peas. <laughs> How about a five-acre field of peas? Daddy would open it up, and it was like, you know, you pick and you, you pick, so forth. But then the other two or three long rows were up to me and my sister, my brother, and my mother. The sweat is unbelievable. Well, you're far away from music and musicians, but, you know, you got, you got your dreams, you got your thoughts. And so I would dream on, dream on about playing the harp. I did not um, get to uh, have any harp lessons until I was about 51 years old. Isn't that amazing? And now I'm only 60. <laughs> Who knew? Thou shalt not lie in church. Uh, but uh, why, didn't I, why didn't I pick up the flute or, or the violin or something else? Well, I wanted to play the harp. That was my desire. And the Lord put that desire in my heart. So I kept the dream alive. Anybody had a dream? Yeah. Anybody tried to squash or squirsh your dream over the years? I want to tell you, you dream on. You can do so much that you never thought you could do. You can, you're stronger than you've ever thought you, you could be. You're better and you're more blessed and favored than you could ever imagine. And I want you to be reminded of that. Well, back to the harp. So uh, we were in New Orleans. And um, so I found this uh, one lady to give some harp lessons. Uh, I, I started out with a little folk harp. And the folk harp, you only have levers that you pull up and down. And you can only play in the key of C, uh, G, D. You can play in F, but you have to tune it. So here you are playing on the strings, and you have to reach up and do the levers. I'm like, that's not for me. I've got, I've got feet. I want to use uh, a larger harp so I can play in all keys. And God certainly prepared me for that, not me knowing it, because I was a dental hygienist for 30 years and in New Orleans, and um, uh, I worked with my hands, and I worked with my feet all those years with the pedals, working on the, uh, you know, cleaning the teeth and so forth. So God had prepared me for that. So anyway, I, I go and I, I have these lessons. Um, it did not go well because this lady, I thought it was just going to be wonderful. She was in the um, uh, New Orleans um, concert. Uh, of uh, musicians, you know, just a wonderful musician, but she, she also taught lessons. So I was with her for a while, and about the, I think about the sixth lesson, I'm like, my dream is dying, and she is not helping. 
So she sits there one day and she just, she, now, uh, Andrew's the one that told me that he did a DNA test and I'm one third Jew. I'm going to take the DNA myself, but he told me that a few years ago. I'm always calling myself the Jewish mother, but this was a Jewish lady. But she was very biased. And one time, just out of the blue, she just said, all Gentiles are pigs. I'm like, where did that come from? (laughs) Is that in my music? (laughs) You know, she would just spout out these things. Obviously, not just angry at me, but angry at everybody else. Had a little bad attitude, let's say. A huge bad attitude. And um, so... Uh, I went to two or three other lessons, and then she would just get up and say, oh, just play anything you want. I'll be back. Now, here I am, uh, you know, talk Dave into these expensive lessons. Even back there, I think her lessons were 45 an hour. Well, no longer. I think they're about 75 an hour now because it's a very intricate instrument and uh, a lot to learn. But uh, then she would just leave me with it. And about the sixth time... You know, like, I'm, I'm not learning anything. She doesn't stay in the room. She'll show me a few things. It's like she's teasing me all the time and keeping things from me. She's killing my dream. I want to play the harp. And finally, on that sixth time, the Lord just said, get up. What? He said, get up and leave. What am I going to do? He said, it's, it's going to be okay. Just get up and leave. I stood up. I walked to the door, had all my stuff packed up my little harp in its case, was walking out, and the, the maid goes, oh, she said she was going to be ra- right back or so. I said, tell her I left, and I walked out. I cried a river of tears. So the boys were little, and they were around me. I'm like, what am I going to do? This I don't know anybody else. I don't know. So we began to pray, and then I found another uh, harp teacher way across town in New Orleans. Uh, she was even cheaper, but she had a lot of degrees, uh, as a harpist, you know, you can get into these different uh, degrees that when you take the um, the harp, and of course she played for symphonies and so forth. Uh, the only thing was, it was very repulsive because she had about 14 or 15 cats in the house. Now, if you're a cat lover, okay, I'm, I'm good with you, but uh, I don't like them in my house because we sneeze and cough and all that. We had them on the farm, but um, not in the house. So the smell was just more than you could imagine. She had two or three beautiful harps. The cats would jump up on the part there, you know, and sit there and perch. And like, oh, I'm in a crazy dream. Matthew and I were talking about that this past week. He said, Mom, you remember me? I said, I certainly do. So I had to take him with me. For some reason, Dave went off with the other two boys. Matthew was about 9 or 10. He came into the house. He walked right back and sat in that hot car in New Orleans heat, you know, and she was trying to get him to come back in. Come on, it's ice cream. And then he says, how do you stand it, Mom? I said, I don't know. I stayed with her for six months. I learned more under her than I did with anyone else. Everything else was good. It was just the horrible smell and all of that, you know, the the cats. Meow, meow, meow. (laughs) Felt like I was in a bad movie. But... But she was she was actually wonderful, and she trained and taught me so much. It was about six months, and then uh, Dave and I knew that, you know, we'd asked for the blessing of release from the church there where we were um, we were co-pastors, we were staff pastors with about five others, and um, 
that's all I had was the six months of lessons. I tried to get some up here. Uh, it was way out in Chapel Hill. Uh, this one was filled up. That one was filled up. I said, Lord, you're just going to have to teach me. Now, uh, I knew music, but harp is so different. So you have to think backwards when you're playing the harp. All right, who, who plays piano in here? All right, so on a piano, you're doing what? You're playing vertical. On a harp, I mean, on a, you're playing horizontal. On a harp, you're playing vertical because the 47 strings are up. So if you have your thumbs on the key of C all the time, no, on the harp, it's your third fingers. Then you only use four fingers to play the harp, and these two go together. So you play these four fingers, but the fifth finger does not play. You just kind of pull it into your fourth. Then with sharps and flats on a piano, a sharp is up and a flat is down. On a harp, the sharp is down and the flat is up because you're going to tighten the string to go into somewhere. Anyway, complicated. Well, I kept asking the Lord, why couldn't I have done this when I was younger? Why couldn't I have done, you know? You're asking God all these things because I wanted, I wanted to go in music. I didn't think I was good enough. That's when I went to Loyola. They had a huge music department as well as they had dental hygiene. Of course, I went into dental hygiene because I knew there was no going back home. You know, my dad had said that to me and my sister and my brother. You know, once you leave, that's it. Anybody ever been told that? <laughs> you know, it's like uh, not the way to do it with your kids. But that wasn't that abusive thing. But praise God, he's with the Lord. And I can say truly now, it was all worth it. But if I had gone into the harp and had done all the things that I wanted to be, I'd be in a, the musician's pit. You know how they have the orchestra pit in front of all the plays? And I'd be there. I wouldn't be doing this. God wanted something else for me. He wanted something better. I am not a excellent, wonderful, most awesome harpist, but I'm good. I know that I'm good, you know. And all the people that might criticize me if I don't get everything wrong, guess what? I play the harp. But you can too because you, you determine in your life what you're going to do. Uh, you know, you do the ice skating. Now, I would, I would do the ice skating if I was in a cage and I had a helmet and elbows and knee pads and all, you know. But uh, I would love to do that because it's such a wonderful, beautiful, free form, you know. Maybe y'all can take lessons from Adriana. Uh, I will come and watch. I would love to do that. But like I said, I'd have to be in a cage. So, you know, this, this is the love of my life. It's not the only love of my life. You know, the main love of my life is Jesus Christ. Next one is uh, my husband, Dave, and also my children, and, of course, the church. I love you. I love you so much. I could, I could break out in tears right now to tell you how much I love you. We're family here. And that's why we want other people to come. And you can tell people. I like to do the psychology on it. You go, shake your head. We're family. Yeah. Nothing can come between us because we're family. Because we resolve to do that. Amen. All right. I've got two scriptures. I didn't have a handout today. So can you put up Second Peter 1.3. Okay, let's see if it's the same translation of bondservant. No, 1-3, 2 Peter, first chapter, third verse. Yes. All right, I'm going to read mine. His divine power 
has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glorious glory and his goodness. And in 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Did you know you're special? You are set aside for the glory of the... It's, it's wonderful for you to say that to yourself because you're special on earth, but you're special in God's eyes. A special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous life. So heartstrings are delicate. Uh, I'm talking about heartstrings of your heart. And then I'm going to talk about the harp strings. But let's talk about the heartstrings of your life. You know, somebody has stolen your song. You got a song going all the time. Nothing like singing, nothing like music, nothing like good music like the Bee Gees or some other fun, you know, how deep is your love? <laughs> Anybody heard that one? And then you, you like music. We've got somebody back there uh, with a jukebox. Greg has a jukebox at his house, and it's so just the oldie goldies that we love to listen to. But we can listen to the oldie goldies of our heart as it sings a melody. You can sing a melody in life, and you also sing a melody to the Lord. It's all about the vibrations of the heart strings and the harp strings. That makes it come to life. And I'm telling you, we need to be careful with our heartstrings. Somebody starts plucking on your heartstrings, pop, pop the string. You've got to replace it. Have to replace those often on the harp string. They're easily broken, and it's natural to change them a lot. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to make a quality decision in life to get up out of your stuff and move on. Um, I have someone in our own family, you know, and he's stuck. He's stuck in his stuff. All you have to do is just forgive, and you're set free. So don't let people pop the strings of your heart, or you can recover. Amen? You can recover. It's a soothe and a calm uh, that comes to your spirit. David played the harp as he heard the word of the Lord. You know, it clears the clutter out of your soul is what I like to say, even with the vibrations of the harp. And, um, you know, a lot of times we're asking the Lord for a clear and concise word, and David would play on the harp to get that word from the Lord. He played the harp for Saul, King Saul, who was insane. Did you know that? The scripture says it. He was completely taken over by demonic spirits. And then he would call for David to come and play the harp. And um, then his nerves would be calmed and they would be soothed. But um, I'm going to talk about Elijah in just a minute. But remember, as we're uh, talking about the heartstrings of our, of our hearts and the harp strings, we want to soar like an eagle. A lot of us, I like this old saying I heard from somebody, you know, we're, we're down here with the turkeys. We need to soar with the eagles. We need to go to the mountaintop of God. How are you going to do it? You've got to get your song, and you've got to keep it, and you've got to say, you're not going to steal the song out of my heart. You're not going to pop every string in my heart till there's nothing left. I'm going to have holy boldness. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to move on. I've had my heart strings broken recently, you know, 
But um, I'm going on. But I know that I will join Dave one of these wonderful days. Hallelujah. Up to the mountaintop we go so that darkness cannot dwell in us. There's no evil that can touch us. If you continually say to yourself, I hear the vibrations of heaven. I hear the goodness of the Father calling me. He's calling me with a song to sing. And you can have a melody in your heart. What an amazing life because he gives us wisdom, power, and grace. But, ah, oh, yeah, the devil is very cunning, isn't he? He's cunning and he's evil. And I got news for you. He hates you. He hates your family. Oh, good. Good. I want to hear everybody say that, you know. There is only darkness around him. But there's only light as you serve Jesus. The darkness tries to come around you. I had a little bout with it yesterday and had to tell it to flee. You know, enemy comes in and just tries to pop a string here and there. Telling you some little evil mess. You're like, where did that come from? Have you ever had that happen? Here you are minding your own business, praising God. Hallelujah. Got the joy of the Lord. Ding! Somebody pops the string, you know. I'm going to tell you about a time that we were serving the Lord. I was at the lowest point of my life. All five of us were at the lowest point of our lives. And um, this is when we had uh, asked for a blessing of release, and we went to pastor a church in upper Louisiana. So um, how bad was it? It's so bad that I don't even care to say the name of the city anymore. I'll say it if you ask me later, but that's bad. That is not good. Okay, we were at the lowest point in our lives, and I sought the Lord after a long period of time. Dave finally said, look, we're going to resign. We did. I had to get a job. Kids were still in school. Now they've graduated. Everybody's doing good. Matthew's the only one left in, in school. But I said, God, I've got to have a word from you. And he gave me a word. It was about the brook of Kirith. Anybody heard about it? I tried to find a good map. I couldn't find the good map on it. But you can look at the Jordan River, and right above the Jordan River is a brook, and it's called the Brook of Kirith. It's spelled with a C, but it's pronounced with a K. It's kind of a raging, wild kind of a brook, and it feeds in and, and falls into the Jordan River. But below the Jordan River is the Dead Sea. And I tell you, that's where all of our family was. I looked it up, too. Uh, the Red Sea is the lowest physical point on earth. 1,400.92 feet below sea level. That's pretty low. We lived in New Orleans, and we were so excited about our house and our subdivision because we were two feet below sea level. Can you imagine? They just dug the swamp and put down timbers and built houses, but... Here's the lowest point. Have you been at a low point in your life? Sure you have. If not, you can help somebody out. But I was so low. I felt abandoned by God. What did we do wrong? All we did was serve God all of our lives. We just wanted to please the Lord. We, we were never out to please people. Lots of heartstrings were broken in our family. And that's when Jesus led me to that brook of Kirith. So it's harp-shaped, but it's also a natural, fresh water uh, brook and it flows into the Jordan as I said Kirith means cutting or a separation 
It has been described as one of the wildest ravines in that rugged region. And guess who was there at one point? Elijah. Here he is. He's got all the victory. Hallelujah. Got all the kings. He calls fire from heaven um, to burn up a watery sacrifice. And the scripture says that all of the water around it was licked up by the fire. I would love a miracle like that. I would have loved the miracle for Dave, you know. I w you would love it for your relatives too or other people that you know to rise up. And we have had many miracles and healing, and we're going to have more because I still believe that God is the healing power in our lives. Amen. In 1 Kings 17, you can read. I'm just going to paraphrase. Even Elijah, with all of the victories that he had, and then he tells all this stuff to King Ahab, and then he's like this, whoa, I better get out of here quick. And so the prophet Elijah, he left, and he went to hide at that brook of Kirith. But while he was there, he got down. The cloud came in. He had a lot of broken heartstrings that were going on with him. Finally, did you know that he was suicidal? He told God to kill him. Just go on and kill me. After this wonderful, wonderful victory. So we got lots of victories in our lives. But be careful that you don't let the enemy try to come in and kill your vision and pop all of your strings. So we had that great victory in New Orleans, with, uh, even with trials and situations. But we were also in an isolation booth in life where the Lord took us in that upper part of Louisiana. Sometimes in those places, it's a place of separation. God will speak to you, and he certainly did. He spoke to us. He comforted us with scriptures. Uh, there's three things about this brook that perhaps are in the timing of the Lord. There's a time of preparation. Well, he was preparing us to come up here to North Carolina. There was a time of reflection to know God's plan for our future. And there was also a time of opportunity. God will place us there to bond us even closer to him and we did. We became very close to Jesus. He was our meat and our drink. And he was our peace and our joy. So I thank you, Father, that you're going to heal people even as I speak. Because our vision, you know, it, it died there because we said we cannot go with all the legalism. We walked into a situation. Everything was set up. And we were... Offered the church, and God said, yes, go through that. But then he also took us through many trials and situations. Why? A time of preparation to just say, look, I'm going to use all of this for my good one of these days. And then our vision and our desire became his. And then we came to this strange land of North Carolina <laughs> to pioneer work. Actually, we were very excited. We were very excited. Okay. Now, I am going to be playing for you in a minute but I'm going to shift gears about broken heartstrings. It's going to be a little unusual, okay? And then I'm going to pull it back in to how we're going to guard ourselves. I'm going to talk about living above the snake line. Now, I hate snakes. Anybody like snakes? Some of them, you know, my boys would play with them. Oh, goodness. So, you know, I say kill them and... God can get something else. Everybody's got to eat. All the animals have got to eat. They eat each other. You know, I've got this um, hawk that comes into the backyard, and he'll get one of my little birds from the feeder and so forth. But, oh, it's just terrible. But snakes are terrible. 
In Acts, it says, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, they call it a viper. It was, um, it was in the wood, and he was holding that, and then it suddenly comes out, and it latches onto his hand. And what did he do? You know the scripture. Shook it off, and it went in the fire. All of the natives were saying, oh, goodness, when it latched on, he must be a murderer. He, you know, God saved him from this, not God, but they were saying he was saved from the shipwreck. Now this viper is attached to him. He's got to be a murderer. He's got to have something bad in his life. And uh, then when they saw the viper fall off of his hand, and he didn't fall dead. Did you know with vipers, usually you have five minutes to live. And they have a flat head. They're very ugly. They're very fast. And they multiply quickly. Um, I, didn't, I didn't like looking on the research, but I did. A viper has 16 upper teeth and 16 lower teeth. And then they have fangs. So when he did not die from that viper they said truly you must be a son of god you must be a god of some kind i want you to know that you can defeat the devil in your life so that you don't have to have the vipers we are true carriers of god and have all that we need and we're going to choose to live above the snake line we want to be justified by our words and not condemned by our words there was um at Pikes Peak, there was a lady, and her name uh, was uh, Catherine Lee Bates in the 1890s, I think 1893, and she wrote a poem because of all the beauty up at the mountain. And then the poem became a song, America the Beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? But the trail would wind up, wind up, and this is what I want you to remember. We've got to go to the mountaintop with God, We've got to remind ourselves. How are you going to remind yourself? In scripture, uh, in songs and hymns, getting strength from one another, being the family of God. Say, I'm going to lean in. And then the next week, you'll tell your friend, now you need to lean into me. And the, uh, at Pikes Peak, they have what they call a snake line. Now, I also looked at that. Some snakes can live up to 15,000 feet. It's unimaginable. But most of them just kind of go comatose because they can't get enough oxygen. Now, Ronnie, I want to um, ask you to come up. And this is what they did at the meeting yesterday. I've got a good point with this because we're not going to stay where the snakes are. Is that horrible or what? And he played some tricks on the men yesterday. You got anything to say about that ugly snake, Ronnie? Roseanne has a dear friend that has recently lost her husband. And uh, she's a, actually, she's a, she's a Chinese lady. And Roseanne's been ministering to her quite a bit and hanging with her and really helping her. So she was at our house Friday, and uh, she began, I mean, she'd been in there just bawling her eyes out, to be honest with you. And she was going to leave. So I went out, so she comes back in and banging on the door, and she said, there's a snake under my car. It's huge, and it looks very poisonous. And I went, honey, don't be silly. It's too cold. Snakes aren't out. Oh, yes, oh, yes, and it looks very poisonous. So I run out, and I pull this snake out from under her little BMW, and I said, oh, that's slithy. 
that's Slithy. That's my pet. And I, that's my pet. And I said, do you want to pet him? No. And then she starts laughing hysterically. I mean, she's about to fall out. She is. Now, she went from just bawling her eyes out 15 minutes earlier to laughing hysterically. So now, f let's fast forward about 24 hours, and we're coming to the men's breakfast. And I thought, oh, no. So I come in early, and I take Slithy, and I put him back there in the closet. I put him back in the closet. And then Cameron is looking for some napkins. And I said, oh, we, I said, we have some napkins. They're back in that closet area. So Cameron goes back in the closet area, and he's looking. And this, he's walking all over this snake. And I he comes out and said, I can't find him. I said, you find anything? He said, no. So I go back in there with him, and I said, but what about the snake? And, man, he jumped about that high. He had been, he had been all over it. So now here's where it gets funny. Nothing's been funny yet, but it's about to get that way. So I'm okay. I'm done with the snake, you know. So now, now Pastor Tim Rabelais, no. he decides to get involved. And he go gets the snake and brings it out and puts it in a chair for somebody. And now we start, we got some really some stuff going on. Now, the man of God comes to speak to us, and he's standing up there with the mic speaking, and we didn't think no, and the snake is over there on the floor under a chair, and the man of God said, he's an African guy, and he said, is that, a, is that like a, a, a pet snake? <laughs> like, are we in church? And who's brought in a huge pet snake? And he's, so now it requires some explanation. And I said, listen, it's all Pastor Tim's fault. Tim's fault. I, did, I did bring the snake into the church, but it's, it's Pastor Tim's fault. He's the one who brought it out into the public. So anyway, we had a, we had a really good time yesterday. And then, then a prophetic word came forth that, that really surprised us all. The prophetic word, I mean, we're done with the snake, and then a prophetic word came for us. There is a snake in this house. There is a snake in this house. This snake needs to be identified. It needs to be confronted. It needs to be, and it needs to be expelled. And then a whole bunch of stuff came in after that that we'll talk about at some point. But anyway, we're vulnerable in church. Our, the scripture says you strike the, the shepherd and the sheep be scattered. And we, Jennifer Costell talked about that. Y'all remember that? And so there's anything today, anything that is controversial, anything that is critical or cynical or challenges the leadership of this church, think about that as a snake. Think about that as a snake. Now, it could be a person not realizing they're being used by the enemy to com combat and challenge this church, but it is. So anytime that anyone, whether it's someone in the church, some visitor, or someone who's actually left the church, anyone who comes against the church in any way, remember, the word, the word came forth real strong, there is a snake in the church. The name is division. The name of the, the division and strife. Did you pick it up, Pastor? Some of the stuff that was said.
This is an, this is an amazing man. I think this is an amazing man of God here. Thank you, Jesus. The way that he carries, the way he carries this uh, men's breakfast, he is, I mean, he is all over it. I mean, it, and so whatever happens, he is right in the middle of it. He, there's, he encourages the men in this church so much. So, guys, I'm going to take an opportunity right here. When, when we're starting to have these men's breakfasts on a regular basis, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Come out. Right. You guys are worth it. <clears throat> but, yeah, so I, I, I took it all as a prophetic act of the Lord, him viewing the stake. A word came forth. There is a snake in the, in the church. The stake was named. It's called a vision, okay? And that the snake is in here whispering in people's ears. It's time to leave, trying to cause offense. Don't listen. Don't listen. You take your foot and you stomp them on the head and says, I will not listen. You will not have a part of us or this church. So let's identify him, know what he's doing. We, we've recognized him now. It's time to crush his head and let's come together, stay together, and let's move on to what God has called this church to do in, in this city. Amen. That's good. And remember, as far as I know, there's nothing that we're referring to. It's just the enemy wants to come in and bring division anytime he can. Let's just say it's a, it's a warning prophetic word because we're not, we're not speaking out about certain things or issues. But, you know, a church that's dead, think of the dead wood, and the viper came out of the dead wood and latched onto Paul. No prayer life, no worship that reaches his wrong room. We're not going to be dry sticks here, and we're not. We, we have our wood all wet, amen, for the fire of God. We're going to be covered and filled with the word of the Lord. It, the viper cannot survive in the heat of the fire. And you know what the fire is? The fire of the Holy Spirit, amen. And we have that fire of God. He's like a roaring lion, or it says, the scripture says, he's like a serpent. Both of those beasts are very dangerous. You know why? It's their mouth. What are you afraid of the most with those, a viper? And a, and a lion, a roaring lion. It's their teeth, and they can bite you. But we know that that's referring to, like, our mouths being instruments of evil instead of good. We're going to keep our minds and our hearts fixed on God. We're more determined than ever. The Lord says, come up to the mountain with me. Come high up into the mountain above where the trees grow, and that's where the snake line is. The snakes, you know, all these thoughts evils, so forth, cannot climb up there with you. Go higher. I commend you. I don't command you. I commend you, like with me, to go higher in God. I want to go higher than I've ever been. And I can hear Dave say, come on, come on. He's over in that balcony of heaven looking down. You know, we can do it. You can do it. You're stronger than you think you are. You're better than you. You're wiser than you think you are. Now, I've got two examples, and then I'm going to play because we're going to end this with a little soaking. Kimberly's got some soaking going on, too, but this is what the Lord had shown me to do. Um, as I was playing my harp in New Orleans years ago, it was over in Slidell across the five-mile bridge. I had a ladies' meeting, and so I had brought my harp, and I spoke, and I said, um, you know, I'm just going to play right now, and this, this is in reference to you too as you're going to soak, and let the vibrations of the Holy Spirit, let it just come to you and flow through you. 
and bless you with healing, bless you with restoration in your mind and your emotions, any broken heartstrings that you might have had, um, that God can use those vibrations of the harp as I play. And I begin to play, and, uh, you know, different ones were responding. It was kind of a beautiful, quiet little atmosphere. And I'd finished, and I was packing up, and this young lady came over, and she says, um, someone invited me to the meeting today. Now, I wanted you to know I'm Catholic. I said, okay. Uh, many Catholics everywhere, but, of course, in uh, Louisiana, a lot of Catholic people. And, by the way, they make wonderful, wonderful Christians to follow Jesus because they're so hungry. They're so thirsty for the goodness and the word of the Lord. So she says, um, I'm so glad I came, but I wanted to tell you this. This is a little unusual, but you're playing and you're playing. Now, I've had uh, surgery and I've had jaw pain in my right jaw. And she said, the surgery never worked. It was about, you know, since I was about nine years old. And she said, it's here and it goes to the back of my neck. And as you were playing, now I think I would have believed it from her more than like my friend is saying, oh, it's great and wonderful and God's use you. But here's somebody that had never been around any of us praying and praising like we were, as well as me saying, I want the vibrations of the harp to just enter you and flow like a mighty river. And she said, you're playing. And suddenly this ribbon came to me. It was a little colored ribbon. And I kept watching and she said, it came through me. And it went out the back of me. And she said, look, I have no pain. I've got no pain. She just kept saying it over and over. She was very quiet when she was doing it. Look, look, I don't have any pain. I don't have, look, I can touch that. I can do, look, I can push on my neck. I can, it was wonderful. It was awesome to be used of God. That's all I want to do. I want to be used of God. And remember, I never said I'm the greatest harpist. But guess what? I play the harp. You know, and I do a good job because I use it as an instrument of wonderful fellowship and fun, playing for birthday parties or anything else, but I want to play for the Lord and let the vibrations go through your, um, your body, either physically or go through your spirit. Now, Tim, come quickly and share because I've got one more thing to do. And his heartstrings were popped many years ago. So everybody knows my wife, Diane, right? But I was actually married once before. I don't know if you knew that or not. And uh, there was some separation going on. She was pulling away. Uh, we had, a, had some friends. They, they got a divorce. So she starts going to the bars. And then all of a sudden, my wife starts going to the bars. Well, what's going on? But eventually, I had to go out of town. And I was like, something is really, really wrong. I mean, something is wrong. And I didn't know, but I had to leave. I come back and, well... Everything in the house is gone, including my wife and my daughter. She took my daughter. So, you know, I, I fell on my knees. I said, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm just crying before God and saying, God, you know, what am I going to do? And he says, you do what I tell you to do. And I said, and I will restore you. So he said, anytime she talks to you, talk to her, talk to her graciously, tenderly and lovingly. And whatever she asks, you do. And you do it with all your heart. He goes, I will take care of the rest. So I want to let you know that in, in two weeks, I had everything back in the house, including my daughter. Okay? But on top of that, you know, for about three years, I kind of just kept praying and believing. And finally, God said, just release her. So I just released her, you know. And then I'm like, okay, God, you know, if it's 
just you and me and, my, and, and Rebecca from now on, I'll trust you. If you have someone for me, I'll trust you. But I know you love me and you care for me. And so uh, within a week or so, I met Diane. So, um, and she has been wonderful. You know, uh, my, my, uh, my, my first wife and everything, she was fine and everything, but oh my gosh, Diane has just been over the top a blessing to me. You know, uh, one time, <laughs> one time God's like, I'm going to help you out. We're hearing the prophetic and she's up here. And so this is the word that God go, gave me to tell her. She goes, I, he said, you tell her she's a sign. She's a sign that, that, that I truly love you, right? She was a sign to me. She was a wonder because she always makes me wonder because, my gosh, how could she love me like she does? <laughs> but it's all God. And I want to let you know that God loves you guys in that way too. You know, when, when you don't know what to do, you're broken in every way. Look to him. Hear his words. Follow and do what he, he tells you to do. He will heal you up. He will redeem you. He'll bring you out of that, that low state wherever you are. And then he will bring you to the place of, of beauty and victory, you know? So I just want to encourage you with that. Someone leaves you is not the end. So God can take that and turn it around to something so beautiful. But you've got to just go to him and follow him and listen to him. And he will bring you through. Isn't that beautiful? We've got... A lot of wonderful testimonies like that. So I just say to you, if you've got still broken heartstrings, God can mend them up. He can exchange the broken one for a new one. Now, I'm going to play for a little bit. I just want to ask you just to enter into a good soaking, relaxed time. And then Veronica's going to sing as I play. And we're going to be dismissed after that. But I want you to give yourselves to the Lord Ask him for the vibrations from heaven to enter you, to bless you, to favor you, to heal you, uh, to give you wisdom, whatever you're asking for. Amen.
I just thank you, Father. I just ask that your love, that your blessing pour out and wash, wash over the people of God. Let the vibrations of your wonderful love and your Holy Spirit, let them pass through them and pass on to others because we are givers. You gave us the right to become givers of life and we give of our lives to other people. And we give ourselves to this earth, Lord Jesus, that we might be used, we might be a portion to be used for you. I thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. <clears throat> I just thank you, Father, that, you know, if um, there's anybody that needs some prayer, our altar team, come on up, altar team. We're going to pray with you. Don't forget about our wonderful meal back there and also our prophetic word. I really encourage you to stay for this teaching today uh, that Kimberly's going to be teaching and in our soaking time there. It's just going to be a refreshment, you know. Many people are fasting in January. We could have had a fast for the church. We still can. It doesn't have to be January. But, you know, we can, we can fast from uh, our telephones. Our, uh, it's hard to fast from that. But we can take something and fast in our lives just to seek the Lord even in a greater way. So you be blessed as you go today. And you carry this message. And I want you to vibrate all the way through this coming week. Amen. Amen. God bless you.